Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Accelerating your fandom. This is Flash TV Talk. Welcome to Flash TV Talk, the fan podcast dedicated to news, reviews, and spoilers for the hit CW show, The Flash. I'm Bo. And I'm Bell. Bell, man, how you doing tonight? You know, I'm doing. I'm doing tonight, and tonight's good. Man, we've, we, we're kind of on cloud nine. we got to be honest, because uh, as we sit here talking to you guys, we're about to jump into a fun episode of, of our favorite television show. But honestly, we'll tell you about what's been going on. Uh, last night, we actually got a chance to sit down, talk about one of our favorite shows with... The original Flash himself, Mr. John Wesley Shipp. Yes, we did, and it was awesome, and he's a great dude. I'm really excited for you guys to hear this. It was an awesome interview. Yeah, so uh, actually, as you're listening to this, um, we're going to probably put that podcast out about the same time that we put this one out. So uh, if you're listening to this podcast right now on Delayed Podcast, that means that it's probably actually in the feed right now. So be sure to check that out. I think you guys are really going to like this one. This was this was really fun. Uh, you know, we, we talk about some fun things. And uh, John Wilson Ships is a really good guy, really down to earth. So, you know, it's, it, it was a cool conversation. Yeah, look, we had a blast. So uh, so be sure to check out your podcast feed uh, for that interview. Tell your friends to share that out because, uh, you know, the great thing is, is when the, uh, the actors and the behind-the-scenes people – uh, you know, make themselves available like that. It's it's huge. It's great for the fan community. I think it really kind of encourages engagement between the brand and the show. And so, you know, let uh, you know, let them know that you really appreciate them coming on Flash TV Talk. And uh, if there's other people you would like to see come on as well, uh, let them know you'd want to see that. So uh, that is that. Look for it and have fun with it. Here's something else that's going on right now. The Rogues Rumble. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, man. So, of course, last week we said you had one week to get in your brackets. Several of you did. We've got a huge response. There's a ton of brackets uh, that we have in our inbox right now that are all good and eligible to be considered because as of today, when we record this podcast on Wednesday, uh, the Rogues Rumble has officially begun. The first match was between... Um, who's it? Heatwave and Rainbow Raider. That's right. And so, and that's actually, as we're recording, is still going on. It looks like Heatwave has a pretty solid lead as it stands. Yeah. Well, actually, I think I put Heatwave. Originally, I thought that I put Rainbow Raider, but I went back and looked at my bracket, and I actually do have Heatwave winning this match. So I'm still I good. had Heatwave last year. I, you know, I, I wanted Heatwave to go the distance, or at least up until a certain point. But uh, this man, I, I had to give it to Rainbow Raider this time. But I, I just, I don't, I don't know if my boy's gonna pull it out. Yeah, well, there's still time, but we'll see. That might, that might shoot your bracket at the, uh, at the very get go. But <laughs> it's a very, it's a very get go, which I would not be surprised at. <laughs> well, one way or the other, of course, if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, just head over to Twitter and look up Rogues Rumble. You'll see it. Uh, it is a, it's a kind of a popular vote type setup. In order to get your votes in, you need to be on Twitter and you need to be following us at Flash TV Talk. We do uh, three rounds of voting every single weekday for whomever is going head-to-head. I think tomorrow we've got um, Multiplex and Pied Piper going at it. Ooh, Multiplex and Pied Piper. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see We'll see what we see with that. But, uh, yeah, man, Rogues Rumble, always a fun time to, uh, to do this, talk a little trash, get behind your favorite rogues, and uh, see who's going to take it all the way. Absolutely. 
Last but not least, if you are, uh, you know, enjoying this show, if you've uh, listened to a couple of episodes, you're into it, you know that um, we love getting your feedback. And if you head over to iTunes, every single 10 iTunes reviews we get, we give away a free digital comic. Right now, we're just three away from giving away a new one, and that could be yours. So head on over to iTunes, write us a review. We'd love to get that kind of feedback. And uh, like I said, you could win a digital comic. All right, man. Uh, you know what time it is? Uh, yes. Rogue time. The Rundown. Episode 16, Rogue Time, directed by John Beering and story by... Uh, Grian Godfrey? Sure, man. What happened this episode? <laughs> well, uh, as Barry begins to relive the previous day, Dr. Wells realizes what has happened and warns Barry not to change any event for fear that he will cause a bigger problem as the universe attempts to balance itself. Barry does not listen and instead captures Mark Martin before he can kidnap Joe. Meanwhile, Leonard Snart, Mickey Rory, Mickey Rory, and Mick Rory return to Central City. Leonard sends his sister, Lisa, after Cisco, whom they force to rebuild the cold and heat guns, as well as a third gun for Lisa that turns people into gold, uh, under threat that they will kill Cisco's brother. Barry realizes that Dr. Wells was right and his actions have resulted in Cisco's kidnapping and Iris rejecting his romantic advances. Cisco returns and reveals that Leonard tortured his brother until Cisco revealed the Flash's true identity. Barry goes after the Snarts and the two develop an uneasy truce. Snart will not reveal Barry's identity and will no longer kill innocent people and stay away from Barry's friends in exchange for Barry not locking him away in the particle accelerator. The reverse Flash kills a local reporter and destroys evidence linking Dr. Wells to the death of Simon Stagg. The reporter's vanishing causes Barry to think Joe might be right about Dr. Wells. You know, with all the Danishes, you would have thought it was something like obesity or, or diabetes or something of that Heart nature. Heart disease. Heart disease, that would have done it to you. But no, Danish Dan taken out by the reverse flash, just as I was really starting to like him, too. Yeah, I know. You know, you starting to be like, all right, I kind of like this guy. I did this guy. But although I guess technically he did die of heart disease uh <laughs> it was just a different kind of heart disease the heart disease that happens when someone vibrates their hand rapidly through your chest yeah it's it's a new it's like a meta kind of hypertension that's really what it is <laughs> more like speed force tension well there you go there you go uh well rest in peace danish dan we uh we barely knew ye and it took us a while to get to know ye and once we knew ye we liked ye but now ye be dead so which is really interesting because, you know, if they had killed off his character earlier in the series, nobody would have cared. But now I kind of care, right? I know. Well, here's the thing, though. He was way too close. We were talking about it last episode about how, you know, he's on top of things. He knows what's going on. So either he's about to kind of reveal everything or he's got to die. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Honestly, we probably should have seen this coming, but I, I just I was a little shocked. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was wondering what was going to happen because you're right. You know, he knows too much. So the the only conclusion here is that he spills the beans or his beans are spilled and we got the latter. And uh, it, it, that's interesting. And I'm, I, it, it's kind of crazy how that sets into motion, uh, you know, Barry's whole realization that maybe Joe was right all along. So this is going to be really neat to see how this plays out. Yeah, man. Yeah, I hear you. Hey, uh, so, you know, Bell, you and I, we when we're together, we like to go out on the town. Yeah. Occasionally, you in particular are approached by uh, by ladies extremely beautiful ladies yeah um all the time and uh and i would say about nine times out of ten they are actually super villains in disguise wouldn't you if i had a nickel for every time i've been kidnapped by a super villain who posed as someone who was attracted to me in a bar i could retire on an island well there you go yeah man so uh that whole in the bar and getting picked up by lisa you know, you're sitting there, and actually, I kind of forgot that that was Lisa Snart, and it didn't uh, didn't register to me what was going on. Although I was sitting there like, it's a trap! You know, like, what was that, <laughs> Dude, I, what was that Magneto was... line? You know, never trust a beautiful woman, especially one that's interested in you. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I was just as dumbstruck as Cisco was. I was like, wow, way to go, Cisco. All right. And because I, I, too, I completely forgot, uh, you know, Lisa Snart was going to be in this episode. And I just, I was like, all right, that's awesome. Way to go, Cisco. And then I was like, oh, wait. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, at first, you know, like I said, uh, I I was like, oh, okay, look at this. You know, maybe maybe this is kind of like throwing Cisco a bone. He's got uh, his family issues that are going on, but he's got a nice little lady friend. And then when they actually followed through on the story, I was like, oh no no no, this is a trap. <laughs> yeah. He's going down. Uh, speaking of his family, you know, we we hypothesized last week that perhaps in the uh, in the the Ramon household. You know, Cisco's kind of the black sheep, and his brother is more of the, you know, the golden boy. 
And we actually got that explored here. Dante, obviously the one that the family kind of uplifts because he's a cellist. Uh, pianist. Pianist. All right. Gotcha. Got gotcha. Concert pianist. Yes. So not not a pizzeria aficionado. No, but it seems weird, though, because uh, he doesn't seem to be a pianist anymore. He seems to be kind of like like that's what he did when he was a kid. That's why his parents are so proud of him. Um, but like he's it, that was kind of like his peak was when he was a kid. And now he's kind of like slumped down. He got to, he said like, you know, that's what he's saying. He has a dead end job, all this kind of garbage and stuff like right. that. And his life was just kind of miserable. And so uh, uh, at, at first uh, they were talking when Cisco was talking about his brother, I was kind of thinking that maybe he was like not like a like a deadbeat kind of thing you know like like maybe he he didn't have really like too many talents but his parents just loved him because you know whatever he was the first child oh yeah he could he could get away with murder and his parents would love him yeah yeah and so i was thinking okay maybe he's just a screw up but his parents like him a lot but apparently no he he did have a uh you know a, a moment in the in the sun so to speak where he was his pianist and now you know cisco's eclipsed him greatly by doing all this wonderful stuff that he's been doing and his parents still just latch on to the fact that their, you know, their other son was this pianist and that's what they like about him. And they can't seem to see through that and see how, you know, great Cisco has been. Well, and that's just kind of interesting. I mean, it's, it's definitely the family dynamic. I've got to tell you, I don't know that many parents who would embrace the artist and reject the, um, you know, scientific engineer for, for yeah. like making the right decisions in life. But <laughs> You know, I mean, hey, it's different different places. I mean, you're in Austin. Maybe that's actually, you know, how they do it up in Austin. But, uh, you know, I just I, that that's interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of neat, right? Because, you know, you have this this guy, he has got this really great job at this really interesting laboratory doing all this really cool stuff. And, and I don't know, maybe it's the fact that, you know, the, the place exploded and uh, maybe that put a black eye on their whole family situation. But, uh, yeah, like I would figure their other son lives at home. And like doesn't really do much. That could and be it. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. So, what did you think of Dante? Uh, at first, yeah, totally came off as this giant douche. <laughs> I mean, but, yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I never liked. I didn't like him at all. I didn't like the fact that Cisco didn't like him when he, you know, they're in that moment where he kind of confesses to Cisco that he stole his um, potential girlfriend. I'm like, dude, why would you even say that? I mean, I know that you feel guilty, but why? Why would you do that? Well, because he thinks he's going to die. I mean, that's you don't want to carry that stuff to the grave. Uh, I mean, couldn't he word it a little bit differently? Like, hey, that girl who I dated, she actually liked you. Like, why do you have to go into specific detail about how that that's how cruel of a brother he was? Well, because that's the thing. It's like, yeah, sure, she actually liked you, but I took her. But that doesn't that doesn't solve anything, right? The uh, he needs to come clean and tell her that or tell him that he took her from Cisco. Because otherwise, it, he doesn't, you know, it's, it's not helping anything. He's just, he's still got that guilt, right? The problem wasn't that the girl didn't like Cisco. The problem was that he took the girl from Cisco. Right, right. And so that was way, that, that's what was weighing on his soul, I would assume. Well, it is, it's interesting kind of getting that family dynamic. And it puts, it, it ultimately leads to, you know, Cisco having to choose between his family, his, his old, like his, his birth family and his new family, right? Um, yeah. And I actually I posted the question on Twitter when we went to commercial break uh, where, you know, Cold is threatening Dante's life if Cisco doesn't reveal the true identity of the Flash. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I put it out there. What would you do? So, Bell, if you were in Cisco's shoes, would you what would you do? Well, so are we talking about my family is substituted for Cisco's family? Yeah, go for it. And my brother is Dante. <laughs> yes. Well, first off, uh, you know, I love my brother. He's my brother, but uh-huh. he's definitely not the family favorite. <laughs> so. that, now that's mean to put on, on the Internet, but sure. I know. I, I, yeah. We, we, you know, I would say that, 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 you know, at least growing up, our dynamic was very similar to uh, Cisco and Dante. I, I got um, that from you guys. Well, you know, obviously, of course, uh, if y'all didn't realize, Bell and I, we grew up in the same uh, town, went to the same high school, actually ended up going to the same college. And so, uh, so yeah, no, I, I actually, I thought very paralleled as I was putting myself in his shoes. I was like, you know, I bet Bell could actually relate to this right now. Yeah. And, and, and it's weird though. Um, you know, I, I, I think I'd have to make the same choice that Cisco did. Yeah, me too, man. I mean, cause it's, it's family, you know I mean? Like we might not have the best relationship, my brother and I, but he's still my brother, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, I mean, the flash would not want someone to be sacrificed in order to save his identity. Especially yeah. like like in a third party type situation, like if, if it was Cisco and he would have given his life like he said he was going to or like he said he would have been willing to, 
uh, then that's one thing. But even then, I don't. I think the Flash would. I mean, he would carry that. You know. Oh yeah. So that would be huge. Yeah, and it's a thing though. Like, if if it were me and I chose to keep the Flash's identity secret over the you know over the safety of my family, I figured with the second I got back to Star Labs and I told them that, then the Flash would put me in the particle accelerator. <laughs> Well, like, like, why would you do that? Like you, you risk the life of an innocent for, you know, for me, that's not, that's not cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you. But uh, I don't think the flash is like that. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I, think, I think the the flash is a little bit um, better than us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Although I'd like to think I'd, I'd make the same decision, at least in that regard, I'd like to think I'd make the same decision as Barry. Barry end up in this whole Groundhog Day situation makes a lot of very poor decisions. Of course, you know, he the first thing he does is he talks to Wells. Wells doesn't even want to hear it because he doesn't want to, you know, change the timeline. And that's not an act. As soon as he finds out that Barry did, does this, he goes to Gideon to find out if the future is intact. So the the, the only thing that I thought of uh, when, uh, <laughs> when, when uh, Harrison Wells was like, don't tell me anything about the future, was uh, Doc Brown from the first Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> But I mean, here's the th- here's the deal, because we know that H.G. Abard is you know on top of this, and he has a better understanding of the difficulty of wrangling in the future and the fact that current, whatever's happening in the present, can actively affect the future, which goes beyond just time travel related incidents. You may recall when the Flash lost his powers. That altered the future until they were able to get his powers back without any kind of influence of, you know, of, of time travel intervention. So, I mean, you know, H.G. Abard, he's hardcore on this, man. He wants to make sure that he is able to get back to the future. Wasn't trying to do that, but it happened anyway. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and he wants to make sure that that future is intact. So uh, I loved the way that he handled everything, even though he did eventually break down, which I think we all kind of assumed he would have to. Mm-hmm. Barry is not handling this man. I mean, like, first of all, he doesn't understand the whole concept of when it rains, it pours. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Actually, I don't, I don't, I don't really know where I was going with that. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is, when you're in a relationship, you are like instantly wanted by all these other people who didn't care about you when you were not in a relationship. Yes, that's what you mean. Absolutely. I can. Yeah. Yeah. I can attest to that. That's that's a very interesting phenomenon where it's like you finally decide, OK, cool. I like this person growing out, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. And all of a sudden, like four or five people like hit you up. Hey, what are you doing? You're like, um, um, where were you six months ago? <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is this is how it works out, man. So, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, H.G. Uh, Abard proposes the concept that perhaps you know, it was the intensity of the moment that caused Iris to discover these feelings that she had for Barry. I disagree. If you go back and watch the actual episode from her perspective, it's realizing that Barry is off the market. So now all of a sudden, Iris is like, hmm, hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, I don't know, because at the very first... What do you she- mean you don't know? There was a whole, like, stake in her territory. Her and I, or her and um, uh, Linda end up going back and forth. Yeah, but now that he's off the market, I think it's it, it, it's one of those things where she was being super def- like she didn't want him to be with anyone else, but she didn't want to be with him. I I that I don't think that's it at all because she did want to be with him. She said she said very specifically that that she wanted to be with him. Or are we talking about in, in the the future? Well, not the future, but the alternate, the alternate present. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the alternate present, yes, that's what she said. But in this episode, it doesn't seem like any of that kind of transpired. The only see, the only no, no, kind no. of ink. No, no, no. But see, that's what I'm saying. Because he broke up with Linda. Oh, that's right, because he didn't do that in the other one. Exactly. So he breaks up with Linda. Suddenly, you know, he's available for her to have in her, in her back pocket. She's with Eddie, so why does she care? And then, of course, you know, Eddie comes in, punching him out at work. Very unprofessional, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I understand where he's coming from, but, dude, don't do that at work. I, I think he should have been reprimanded for that. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Like- there should have been repercussions. You know, Captain Singh should have done something, you know, suspended him or something like that. Cause you don't hit, you don't, you don't hit a, you know, a, a fellow coworker or a fellow police officer, you know? Yeah, man. I mean, I, it, it technically, you know, CSI, but they're still police officers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guarantee that he got some sort of, you know, something for that. Captain Singh's on top of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, Linda got a raw deal. I really liked Linda. Yeah. So here's my question, though. This seemed so, uh, you know, she's sitting there saying that your heart should ache for me how many dates have they been on is that what she said 
I think so. That's a that's a cheesy line. Cheesy line, Linda. You're better than that. Well, I'm not saying it's cheesy so much. It is like it seems pretty, uh, pretty, you know, moving pretty fast. <laughs> I, see, I see what you did there. Yeah, no, I, I got you. I mean, part of that is just because she's feeling threatened because of Iris. Because, I mean, yeah. I think we can still assume uh, correctly that the bowling alley incident still happened, right? Yes, because that happened uh, before they go to the uh, to the in fact, they leave the bowling alley to go to the morgue. Right, right. So, yeah, so that still happens. So she is in kind of that threatened mode. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I feel sorry for her. Maybe, maybe this will, um, maybe she'll take a different direction in life. Start going for younger men. Who knows? <laughs> I was going to make that joke if you didn't. Ah, there you go. Uh, but yeah, so Barry is still caught up with this whole Groundhog Day thing. Actually, in the first, um, in the very opening scene where we get a third or fourth replay of the lady who's going to be late. Um, you know, when he's trying to kind of get what's going on, as you recall, Bell, he's running into the, the episode that we see and the other Barry from last week's episode disappeared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to see if you had noticed that because I watched it and I didn't notice it the first time I watched it, but this time I totally did. He runs back, he sees himself and then the other Barry from the alternate now disappears. So there's only one Barry at any given time. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, like, the funny thing is, with this episode and last episode, a lot of people were kind of comparing the two, um, saying, like, I liked the other timeline better than this one, you know, for, for whatever reason. And we'll talk maybe about that in a second. But um, but I don't think it's necessarily fair to compare timelines. And also, I don't know that it's necessarily even to compare this episode with last week's episode, because last week's episode will probably be the best one of the season, if not the series. Because uh, they really got away with a lot of stuff they probably won't be able to get away with again. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, because that's the thing. I mean, like, you know, you, you kill Cisco off in that episode. I mean, you know, what could you do that's like more powerful than that? Well, and the whole idea that, first of all, Barry doesn't quite get how he went back in time. Um, you know, what was able to push him over the edge. Now, obviously, we as the fans can easily speculate that it's because of that relationship with Iris that kind of pushed him over the edge and was able to get him to the point where he was able to break the time barrier. But he doesn't quite know how to recapture that moment yet. But more importantly, he is slowly learning the idea that there are always repercussions when you go back and change things in time. Now, not only is H.G. Abar trying to impart that idea to Barry because it's true, do you think that he might actually be trying to push that message along so that Barry does not go back and stop then Eobardthon from trying to kill Barry, thus ultimately killing his mom and creating the universe that he's in right now. Well, I mean, you heard it from the man's mouth, H.G. Abart. He says that how many people were saved because your mother died. Right, right. Which is which is which is basically what the the lesson that uh, uh, you know that Barry learns uh, in the Flashpoint comic. Book, well, really. yeah, okay, but see, that's the thing, right? It's a great nod and a great indication, perhaps even foreshadowing of things to come. However, does is there not this ulterior motive like, well, if Barry never runs back in time to stop me, then I succeed in my mission to kill Barry Allen and return then to my time. Ah, so you think that's what he's trying to do to return back in time? Well, here's the here's the flaw in that theory. Um, we know that the reverse Flash's power is becomes specifically from Barry Allen. Now, he might not have known that when he left the future. And not until he ended up in a time before Barry Allen, before the Flash specifically, and before the Speed Force, and without powers, uh, did he realize how his power set works. So I think he's kind of in a, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't type situation. Oh, I see. So so he went back in time, uh, didn't realize where his power came from. The fact that he went back in time before the Speed Force was created is what's keeping him there. And that's why he has to use the Tachyon machine to pull Speed Force energy from the future. Right. Or, oh, no, I don't think from the future. He's, he's pulling it from the present. Barry is currently generating it. Well, but the Tachyon device is all about, like, you know, future and time travel and stuff like that. Well, because I think that part of the way the reverse flash is using the Speed Force has to do with because of its impact on time. Right. Because the idea is that Barry, as a speedster, is able to now he doesn't quite realize this yet but he's starting to he's able to exist outside of time and so i think that's where the tachyon you know device comes in play and why it's kind of sucking the speed force you know we've talked about the fact that you know the green lantern is to space what the flash is to time and that's kind of a jeff johns 
uh, thought process that's kind of, you know, I think been carried through. And I, I think is actually one of the, the coolest concepts that's been attributed to the Flash. And so with that in mind, the Speed Force exists as this entity, as was actually pitched by Firestorm, uh, that is almost this connective tissue that runs to and from the timeline. So, or, or a highway that I think is what the, he referred to it as. Yeah, yeah. So, cause it, and that makes more sense now uh, when you think of it as a highway approach because, you know, Barry gets on the highway, runs fast back in time, and then goes off the highway. So that's why he disappears, right? It's because the time, since time is mutable and it's, and it's changeable, when he went back in time, that instance of him kind of phased out of existence, right? And so, so it's, it's always one Barry, but he's outside of time like you're saying it's all, well I, I still stand by the theory that we proposed last episode although i think we accidentally i think we I, you know, the funny thing is we do the spoiler section at the end of the show but then during the spoiler section last week we ended up throwing some other time travel theories <laughs> into the mix <laughs> but uh, i think then is when we mentioned the fact that perhaps in a time in which barry has access to the speed force there can only be one however if he was to go back in time to before he had the speed force then he could, there could be two. So, for example, if he ran 10 minutes before the particle accelerator, there would be both Barry Allen and The Flash. However, if he was to run 10 minutes after the particle accelerator, there, there would only be, be the Flash. Flash. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. And, that. and that makes sense why, you know, Little Barry didn't uh, disappear. Completely, yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so one way or the other, interesting stuff. I love the fact that we're getting more explanation to the time travel, and I love the idea that there's always consequences. Now, the idea that there are always consequences, I don't feel we fully got the payoff there, and maybe we're not supposed to see it in this episode, um, you know, because Wells or H. Geobard is trying to say, hey, look at all the horrible stuff that's going on right now. You know, that's perhaps worse or that's the result of everything that's going on or, or everything that would have happened or not happened if you had stayed in your timeline except with us with kind of our omnipotent you know knowledge of what's going on you know the rogues going around and stealing from the mob is not nearly as bad as a tidal wave coming in and destroying the city yeah like that was my thought is is you know and i understand what hg was saying or hg abard is saying uh, I, I keep <laughs> forgetting to use our own little uh, moniker. I know, and you're but, the one that came up with it. Yeah, I know. I'm, man. Uh, but yeah, so so I get what uh, H.G. Bart is saying, right? He, he's saying that, you know, just because the crap that happened in the alternate timeline is bad uh, doesn't mean that going back and fixing it is going to make things better. Because I, I think what he's trying to say is just because the episode, just because the things that happened in this episode weren't as bad as the stuff that happened in the last episode in the alternate future. Right. Uh, doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to pile up and happen. So, so the uh, the tidal wave destroying the city would have been bad. Yes. So uh, uh, there's going to be some sort of cataclysmically bad event that's going to have to happen in order for the timeline to uh, equalize. I guess you could say, right? Right. Right. I mean, if if it's just a couple of hours, like we saw, it's almost like a little, you know, almost like a little bone crack. You know, like it can heal up, and there's no there's no real change overall. It's not like a full-on break where when it heals, it's going to be completely different. Well, I don't know, though, because I'm thinking that – uh, so d this giant cataclysm was averted, right? And so Barry goes back in time. Some bad things happen. You know, Cisco's brother gets tortured, sure. yeah. you know, things like that. So that doesn't mean that that's, that's the bad stuff that's going to happen. What I'm thinking is, is that as the timeline is slowly fixing itself, so it's just trickling bad stuff down. And it's either going to end in some sort of cataclysmic thing like we had with the tidal wave or it's just going to be a bunch of – worse things are going to happen over the course of time to equate to one giant bad thing happening. Yeah. The hard thing I think for a lot of us is because this episode is an alternate telling of a day that we've already seen. And that day that we've already seen was one of the best. I mean, it was the best episode of the entire series thus far. Uh, this one is ultimately going to uh, fail by comparison. Um, there's a lot of issues throughout this, not, maybe not issues, but there's a lot of things about this episode that didn't quite sit well with me. You know, I love the rogues. I love Wentworth Miller's Captain Cold, uh, heat wave, man, I came off a little bit too punny for me this day. And I, I know that, you know, that seems like blasphemy. That's crazy. Come on. I know it seems like blasphemy because we we're all about the puns, but I feel like it was a little too campy this time around. That was one thing that kind of felt a little off to me this time i'm, I'm going to completely disagree with you on that 
the whole I, I love that your house is made of wood because it's you know great kindling i don't know man i thought that was a little bit too much sure but i i just think uh i don't know i, I liked heat wave this this time uh, i i thought he pulled off the, the crazy bit a little bit better um uh the, the earlier episodes kind of alluded to it and how he like burn people and like you know play with the fire and stuff like that sure sure but this one you kind of see more into his head and he's just just a total pyromaniac crazy dude well i get that man i get that but i mean isn't there's a difference i don't know i but from everything that we've seen before of that kind of extreme pyromania type of personality that he is in love with fire i get that but i just feel like i I feel like you can get that communicated without the you know additional layer of camp i love the camp don't get me wrong i just feel like they went a little bit too far so you're saying it could have been written better that particular line maybe or just well here's Here's the other thing, man. It's not just that. The other the other thing that stuck out to me that was a little rough, and I saw this on Twitter, and I thought, yeah, exactly. Uh, if they've got a gun that can turn things into gold, why are they robbing a casino? Well, that was my issue with this episode. That was really my main biggest thing with this episode is that they they didn't explain any of that. It's like an alchemy gun. Like, if, if Cisco could make a gun that turns stuff into gold, why has he not... <laughs> become extremely rich so I, I i'm i'm guessing and this is this was my way to you know hand wave it away was that it, it's essentially the same cold gun except for there's some sort of dye in it yeah yeah look here, here's the deal and i think um you know the live chat green claw want a pineapple uh jared everybody's kind of you know saying this and it's like well you know it's probably not real gold and i think that's true you know i i realize that that's probably the case it's probably some sort of gold alloy uh, something to make things look gold. But, I, you know, I don't know. I just thought that was a little interesting. Yeah, but but Dan makes a really good point in the chat. He's saying that the rogues are about to score. They do it for the thrill, not because they need to. Yeah. Which, you know, that, that that's a big thing about it, too. Sure, yeah, you know, uh, that's, you know, a classic, you know, trope. It's that they're not doing it because they're trying to make money. They're doing it because that's how they, you know, get their rocks off, so to speak. Well, and honestly, it's, it's a, it is a comic book type of trope situation, right? I mean, you have... Uh, villains who like rob a bank for you know with like these multi-billion dollar robots and it's like you can never get paid off in the bank that you're robbing that's only going to cover like a fraction of your ultimate cost in this entire enterprise right right and you know the, the case in that situation they're just you know testing their inventions to see you know to see if they can do it yeah and and, and that that's what that's what cold's all about right he, he's he wants he likes fighting the flash almost as much if not more than uh you know pulling off these heists and stuff Okay, here's the other thing. Um, the whole thing with Barry and Cole at the end, there's a lot about that I like, and there's a lot about it that feels off. Barry lets Cold go because Cold says he's not going to... Basically, the, the truce that you mentioned actually in the description is that Cold will no longer kill people, nor will his rogues, and Barry will not lock him away, which basically means that Cold now theoretically has the keys to the city where he can go around and rob whoever he wants because what's barry gonna do well barry's gonna stop the robbery i'm sure so that's what it is it's more of like a challenge like saying okay look you can try to rob the banks i'm always going to stop you and but i'll never lock you away it's almost like you know it's almost like we'll just be constantly playing chess yes because that's exactly what cold wanted interesting because like that's the thing he's got he's got buried up against the ropes right so so isn't that to some extent just like I don't know now that I'm actually talking about it, I kind of like it <laughs> it's so, no I liked it a lot yeah, dude. that, was, that yeah. was my favorite scene see and that's the thing you're you're saying that you're comparing this episode to last episode and just like on an episode by episode basis it's it's not really a fair comparison I I I think you have to take these two oh, episodes together yeah, as agree. one whole story I don't know about that yes yes because like that yeah you, you can't just take these episodes out. Uh, you know, out of context and just say, yeah, obviously last week's episode was super awesome. And, you know, you could say that it's better than Rogue Time. But I, I thought Rogue Time was just a great addition to what was built on last episode. Uh, no, and, and you're absolutely right. I don't think it is fair to to, com- to compare and contrast the two. Uh, but I can understand why people are doing it. And, and I got to tell you, yeah, you've sold me. I, I do get, you know, now that I've actually kind of thought about it and we've kind of talked through it, I actually do like that idea of barry having an established villain who he can have out in the wild to keep him sharp but at the same time isn't letting somebody go who's going to go around killing people and my guess is the second that cold or anybody who's attached to his rogues you know off somebody then it's deals off everybody's going in the pipeline 
either that or, or this is what I see uh, happening. So let's say one of the rogues ends up killing somebody. Cold's going to turn him over to Flash. Yeah, like, that's what I see. That happen. would be kind of cool. I'd actually that would be awesome. Because you know, it, 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 Flash is when we first see Captain Cold. Uh, you know, that was this whole thing. We don't kill people unless we have to. And like one of the guys, uh, you know, he he kills one of his own partners for for screwing that up, right? And uh, that's that's what I you know he's got this he's got a code about him. He has a, a a code of ethics that he follows. And now Barry's just solidified that code of ethics. And he's like, yeah. look, I don't care. You can broadcast my identity to everybody, but if you if you hurt, you know, kill people, innocent people, I'm putting you away. And so I think Cold appreciates that and he can say okay cool we, we can play this game you know i'll go ahead and uh, i'll play your game i'll you know keep my rogues in check and we're gonna have this just epic battle for who can control central city yeah i mean it's it's a it's like a batman and joker setup but like softer right it's more it's more fun you know it's it's you know, the Joker always has kind of this fun relationship with Batman and Batman doesn't want to like acknowledge it. But this is more of like a direct acknowledgement between hero and villain. We are going to keep each other sharp doing what we do in our hero and villainy. And the reason why this is going to exist is because the hero is or more accurately. The reason why the hero is allowing it, because no one is to get hurt in this our challenge, our competition between each other. You want to go yeah. break the law? Fine. You kill anybody, you're going to jail. Otherwise, I'm going to stop you before you can even do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, I, I like and th that. this seems to come from a, a ground of like a mutual respect kind of thing. Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Captain Cold respects that the Flash is is super fast and that he can beat him. At the same token, uh, uh, Barry respects the fact that Cold is very smart, very calculating, and he's he's been able to defeat Barry on a couple occasions. Yeah. So. They're, they're, like you're saying, there's this like it's this honing aspect, right? They they respect each other. They may not like each other, but I think that I think there's some mutual respect there, and and they're using that to kind of you know, uh, like you said, hone each other's skills, right? Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see though. You know, I, I think I saw somebody in the chat uh, make mention of the deal with the devil, and there is kind of a a concept there that that you know has definitely laid the groundwork for you know, will this actually come back and bite Barry for letting Cold get away? You got to imagine that it will. So I'm interested to see how that ultimately plays out. I like your theory, man, that perhaps one of the rogues, probably Heatwave, is going to eventually kill somebody. And for Cold to actually turn that person into the Flash, that that would be a powerful moment. I would love to see that. Yeah, and, and I think that's something that's that's well within Cold's uh, character to do. Uh, because because of that respect, it's like we made a deal, right? You know, it's like you know, th there's there's you know, honor amongst thieves. That's kind of the whole rogue mentality, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, there's that's this thing, you know. It's, we're not we have a deal going on. We're not going to break this deal. And if you do, you know, either I'm going to off you or I'm just going to give you over to the Flash. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, well, okay, so let's see. We talked a little about about the uh, Barry Iris. We talked about Eddie coming in and socking uh, socking Barry. We talked about Cisco and his brother. Uh, we didn't mention the fact that H. Geobard and Cisco do share the similar moment of, you know, you've taught me what it's like to be a son, or I'm sorry, you've taught me what it's like to have a son, except, you know, without somebody dying. Yeah, that was really cool. I liked that line a lot. Yeah. I was getting kind of worried when uh, <laughs> H. Geobard was like, hey, let's go down to the room where, you know, the, the reverse <laughs> flash escaped. I'm like, oh, no, don't die again, Cisco. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, you know, the funny thing about that is uh, it's an indication of how time is is fixing itself. And I think that's actually going to bring us to uh, one of my favorite segments of the show. Speedster speculation. The idea here, man, is that time is kind of this living, breathing entity that is actually healing itself. You know, after we got off the air, I thought about this concept of what if, you know, if, if time is a li living entity, the reverse flash is a virus and the flash is almost like this antivirus that's been created to combat him. Now, a lot of people kind of, you know, challenge that with the idea that, well, you know, technically, if you think about Barry actually going back in time and what he could potentially do with Flashpoint, Barry is just as dangerous to time as the reverse flash is. And that's fair. So I don't know if I really, you know, still hold to that. But I do love this idea about time being kind of this, again, living entity. Yeah, yeah, it's really neat, this immutable timeline where just, you know, you can change stuff and, uh, you know, it's it's not a full-on butterfly effect kind of thing, right? Where it's like, you know, one change, you know, butterfly flaps its wings and then you have a hurricane in, in, uh, in Hong Kong or something. But it, it's more like 
you know, like I was saying earlier, you have this giant tragedy where the tidal wave is going to destroy the city. That's that's a huge negative. So, like, you know, if you have a plot on a chart, right, you got zero. This is a giant dip in it, right? That has to be accounted for somehow. Now, I think it's either going to be several smaller incidents that are bad to balance that equation, or we're going to have, you know, a couple small events, maybe a medium event, and then a big event. But either way, the net's got to be zero. So yeah. bad things, good things, time has to... Uh, uh, it, it's got to be, um, you know, returned back to zero, right? Well, but yes and no, right? So obviously time is, it, it doesn't, it's not going to heal exactly the same. I, you know, I, I mentioned earlier the whole concept of a bone, right? If, if you have like a minor fracture in a bone, it can heal back and, you know, to the outside observer, look very, very similar to exactly the way it was before. One way or the other, you're getting from point A to point B uh, from the you know from one end of the bone back to the other end once it's healed up in a fairly similar fashion. However, if you break the bone completely and it has to heal, it's going to look very differently. Now you'll still get from one point to the other, but the road that you get there, the 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 entire bone itself is going to look differently. Sure, 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 and and, and that that goes along with what I'm saying though, because it's a zero sum game, right? It's it, it, time has to return to a balance. I'm not saying it has to return to what it what it was. Right. It just has to return to a balance. So, so if there was a giant negative effect, there's got to be uh, that you've reversed. So now you're you're at a net positive, right? Because you, yeah. you've taken off all this negative. So now that negative stuff has to trickle back in somehow. Now, that's not saying that there's going to be a, you know, a, a giant tidal wave that's going to come and destroy the city. But we have these small well, things where I, I don't know that it's fair to even assume that that would have happened. I mean, Barry was ab absolutely like combating it. If he hadn't have run to the, the future or the past, technically, we don't know that he wouldn't have been able to thwart the tidal wave. That's true. That's true. Because, I mean, I, I would give you that. If, if the tidal wave actually... All right, so let's assume for just a moment, devil's advocate here, let's assume that Barry failed, the tidal wave came in and wiped out most of Central City. That would be a pretty different future than the one that we have now. And since we know that, you know, that that, that future was still intact, I, I think it's safe to assume the Flash would have won the day even if he hadn't run to the past. Well, but by the fact of him running to the past, he no longer can keep up the speed wall so that the tidal wave would have destroyed the city. Well, I mean, but, <laughs> but again, we, we don't actually, we don't subscribe unless you're changing your tune here. We don't describe to the multiple timeline theory. True, we don't. But I'm just saying, you know, it's an interesting thing <laughs> it's an interesting Shut concept <laughs> sure no. sure but but yeah so no i i'm saying that what it is is you have like you know uh but there are a lot of worse things that happened in this episode or sorry that happened in last episode that didn't happen in this episode so like joe getting you know maimed and kidnapped and stuff like that cisco dying of course we had one death poor danish dan uh so that's kind of equated but uh right the, well but i it's not one for one though not not in a sense of time you know what i mean like Danish Dan, at some point, we can probably assume was going to die. He knew too much. You know, the reverse flash would take him out. Now, the fact that Cisco's still alive is interesting, right? Yes, but I don't think there's any reason for him to die in this timeline because the distraction of his brother's birthday party kind of took him off the trail. Ah, fair enough. But uh, but ultimately, I, I do think that the if if we kind of go again with the idea that here, here's really what it is. It's not a butterfly effect, right? Yes, yes. Because a butterfly effect, the slightest change could change everything. Um, what we're learning through the series is that the slightest change might change, you know, the present, but not necessarily the future. Now, a big change could have huge ramifications that could totally change the future. For example, the Flash losing his power. That's a big change. Um, you know, somebody dying in association to the life of a speedster or perhaps a, a person of great interest uh, or, or, or of mass acclaim that could potentially have mass you know, effects on the on the future. But, you know, small things like, you know, the last couple of hours changes here or there. You know, you take out Martin earlier on than you would have later on. It's just it's not going to eradicate you know, whatever future H.G. Uh, Eobard is from. Or, well, Eobard. Whatever future Eobard's from. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it, it, it's kind of like, I guess the way I see it is you have the future, and then you have the present. And then Barry goes back one day in time, and now they're on a different path to that same future. Because the future hasn't changed. H.G. Uh, uh, Eobard confirmed that by talking to Gideon. Right. But we're going down a different path. So... 
we don't really know what's going to happen in this different path of the same of this timeline. Well, it's not really a timeline though because there's only one timeline, but it's a different. Right. I, it's kind of weird to kind of when you have one timeline to talk about multiple possibilities of other timelines because there is only one. But I mean, but, is it? Is, I mean, is it really? Because it is just the one timeline. If, if anything, that should take some sort of complication out of all this. Well, yeah. So so every choice that you make. According to, you know, there's a theory, right? So every choice that you make, there's an alternate universe where you make the different choice. Uh, in this particular instance, those alternate universes don't exist. It's just that each choice has a different path. So it's kind of like, uh, let's see, what, what uh, like a choose your own adventure, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's what Eobarthon's doing. He's choosing his own adventure. Exactly. You know, <laughs> so, you know, if, if you make one choice, you go to page 37, you make another choice, you go to page 26. And uh, what happened is Gideon was his page... childhood book. That's what it is. Gideon was a childhood book in the theater <laughs> or in the future. That was choose your own adventure. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So Barry went to page 37 and that's where the tidal wave came in. So he went back to the page that he was previously <laughs> on and chose to go to page 26, which is a different outcome. Right. But we're going to get to the same timeline in the future. Right. Barry still read that page. He just went back a page. Yes. <laughs> I like it. Um, anyway, one way or the other, man, I, I, the, the time travel aspects, of course, is one of the most interesting things. Uh, you know, we've heard the, the rumors that, that at some point we'll get a chance to see Eobard's travel or trip back in time and get to experience the, uh, the night of uh, Nora Allen's death from his viewpoint. I think that's going to be pretty um, pretty revealing when we get there to understand, you know, what he has had to do between that point and this to ensure that the timeline matches up to his future. Um, nobody understands time travel that in the way that he does because he really was, for all intents and purposes, the first time traveler. Um, he's the one that set this in motion. Without Eobard, we don't have a series. So I'm I'm excited to see what uh, what what revelations may come from that. Yeah, that's going to be really, really neat to see. I'm super excited about that episode, by the way, because I ever since this whole series has started, I've, I've wanted to see that travel back in time from his perspective, just because I, I want to get I want to get into his mind and, know, you know, because obviously he wanted to kill Barry, but I want to see that motivation behind it. You know, oh, absolutely. that's got to be a really powerful motivation to make you want to go back in time and kill <laughs> kill a kid. Right. Yeah. And of course, we can speculate based on, you know, the comics and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be drastically different from the comics. Well, and it's it's twofold, right? Because we've talked about the idea of the Thons and the Allens having this feud. And so if you think about from the Thons perspective, I mean, you know, people talk all the time about like if you could go back in time and kill Hitler as a kid, would you do it? And so if you think about kind of what Barry Allen represents to a Thon, especially Thon in the future, that is their, you know, version of, hey, I could go back in time and kill, you know, uh, our Hitler, right? Yeah. So yeah. I, that, that'd be, um, you know, obviously Barry is the hero, but from the villain's perspective, that's what he's thinking. So, yeah, that, that'd be interesting. I'd, I'd love to see that. Newsflash. All right, man. So a little bit of news I want to get into tonight. Uh, of course, uh, this is really cool. Man, this is really cool. Flashfans.org. You know, our good friend B over at Flashfans.org. Uh, exclusive look at debut character art and history for Convergence of Barry Allen. Uh, if you want to get the earliest look at some things coming down the road, you want to hit up flashfans.org. B has got the exclusive, but um, that will be coming your way. By the time this episode goes live, it will be available. So Nice. Looking forward to seeing that. That'll yeah, cool. man, check that out. Flashfans.org is a place to go. That's, that's where you want to find out all the latest and greatest that's going on with The Flash, both on screen and in the comic book. So if you are into the lore, into the, uh, you know, what's going on, be sure to uh, keep up with Queen B with flashfans.org. And that's tomorrow at noon Eastern Standard Time. So Thursday, March 26th, Eastern Standard Time, noon. Yeah, which in all fairness is probably about the same time this episode will go live. Yeah, well, there you so, go. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, hey, man, this—I uh, don't know if this is news or not, but uh, did you see this thing with uh, Jesse L. Martin, Carlos Valdez, and uh, Rick Cosnett? Oh, I heard about it. I want to see it so bad. I hadn't seen it. All right, this is great, man. So uh, this—this—I I don't know who is the you know brains behind coming up with these little viral videos that they put together, but we've talked about the fact that there's a lot of musical talent here on the show. I mean, we would love to see a musical episode of The Flash. Jesse L. Martin, in particular, is absolutely just a amazing vocal talent uh, if you go back especially to his work on rent i mean just dude brings it uh and here there is a little bit of a 
a harmonizing, not even a little bit, a harmonizing of the Ballad of Serenity from the old uh, Joss Whedon joint, Flyerfly. Did you ever see that show? Uh, that's great, dude. I this is this. <laughs> All right. It's it's. <laughs> It's it's a crazy theme song. Like you know, my friends and I, we always talk about how what? It's, uh, it's not a crazy theme song. It's beautiful. <laughs> I always thought it was kind of goofy. But uh, uh, oh, what? No, man, you're you are on your own on this one. I, I, <laughs> that song, I love it, man. It's it's one of the most beautiful themes. I'm gonna play what they did real real quick. Here. Take my love, take my land, take me where I cannot stand. I don't care. I'm still free. You can't take the sky from me. Take me out to the black. Tell them I ain't coming back. Burn the land, boil the sea. Dude, that's beautiful. Dude, if that was this, that needs to be the theme. They need to redo every single episode of. of a firefly with that. Well, I got to tell you, I, I liked the original singer as well, but yeah, no, this is absolutely beautiful. And the great thing is they did this to kind of promote a project that actually, uh, Patrick Sabongi actually talked about when he was on our show, which is the letter carrier. This is, uh, this is of course a, a short film, about 10 minutes is what they're shooting for, where it tells a story in song. So if you haven't seen this, we'll be sure to put a link in the show notes. Um, and, uh, and they've got a Kickstarter going on for this right now. And I got to tell you, man, I am a sucker for musicals. I mean, you know, Bell, you remember back in the day in high school, every single musical we did, I had some sort of, you know, whether I was uh, a, a main character in the background or, or something, I loved musical theater. Oh, yeah. You were all about the musicals, like the Newsies, man. We never made that happen. I really wanted the Newsies to happen. But at the time, Disney didn't allow the rights to uh, to high school productions of, uh, of <laughs> <But> the Newsies. <laughs> You wanted to be Christian Bale in Newsies so oh, bad. Oh heck yeah! Actually, I would have taken the uh, the other guy, the the Walking Mouth. But I but yeah, yeah, man, dude, are you kidding me? The cowboy? Absolutely, I would have loved that. <laughs> Newsies is excellent. But anyway, all that to say, be sure to check out their project again. It's called the Letter Carrier. Uh, they got a Kickstarter about it right now. Be sure to support that. Let them know you heard about it on Flash TV Talk as well. And hit up Patrick Sambungi and and all these guys, except for Jesse L. Martin. He's not on Twitter. But hit up everybody else on Twitter and uh, let them know that you really loved that little rendition of uh, the ballad of serenity yeah that was really cool and last but not least man after making his debut on arrow 3-19 doug jones is actually going to be bringing the character death bolt to central city in the episode upcoming episode rogue air so now that's episode 22 that's uh yeah it's getting near the end that's the episode before the finale yeah yeah Mm, interesting and i like the term rogue arrow that was another thing i wanted to mention is that i really liked the fact that captain cold was like when when barry when barry said you know your rogues gallery he's like the rogues i like that no, he said <laughs> I like, no he said uh he said yeah the rogues that's cute and i was like oh yeah <laughs> it is cute wentworth miller it's very cute please continue to use it because it's awesome <laughs> I, I love that it like when 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 Wentworth Willard just like latches on to these, uh, like as Captain Cold, when he just latches on to these names, like the rogues, Captain Cold, these things, I just love that he just like, he eats it up, right? It's just feeding his ego. Yeah. And yeah. It's just, I, 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 I love that. So th this will be interesting. So I'm wondering, are we going to see Death Bolt as a rogue? Uh, you know, I guess the the title would certainly imply it. I'm, I'm hoping that we do get that more fleshed out. You know, the, the idea that um, you get these two... Uh, prison break alums as our first initial rogues is cool but i don't want it to be just them i really do want to see the rogues fully fleshed out i want to see trickster i want to see pied piper meeting up with these guys i want to see weather wizard i want there to be a camaraderie that extends to most if not all of the flash's villains 
So uh, I, I think that's I think that's a fair bet. Honestly, with this uh, Death Bolt character, I have not been keeping up with um, with the uh, current Arrow as well as I probably should. I've been very off and on, but ever since we actually started Arrow TV Talk, starting from the beginning, I haven't wanted to throw myself off. And so yeah. Uh, and so yeah. So I'm not exactly sure um, what that character is or what he's done, but. Uh, hopefully that is something fun to look forward to given the fact that it is so close to the end of the series or <laughs> the end of the season, I should say, uh, you know, that it, it'll be big time. So let's see what they do with it. Indeed. Your thoughts, your comments, listener feedback. All right. So this first bit of feedback is actually from a very, very long essay that we got in the email form. Uh, from uh, listener Daniel G. Uh, Bell, you want to read what he said? Yeah, sure. Uh, I don't foresee the show going full-on Flashpoint anytime soon. It's too early in the life of the show for them to change everything like in that story. However, I do see them playing with the idea of an alternate timelines with minor differences that are easily rectified, at least in the near future. With that said, I believe the show will eventually dive into a world reminiscent of Flashpoint at some point for a multi-episode arc, when they, uh, and when they do, Barry will have to make the choice between his mother and the rest of the world. He'll eventually make the right and heartbreaking decision to go back and fix the timeline, returning the show to the main continuity. And Dan G is actually in the chat right now. So uh, welcome. Oh, cool. Yeah. Thanks for listening live. Dan. I mean, dude, you wrote like a freaking essay. (laughs) (laughs) Dan went into a lot of details with kind of the the time travel and just kind of backing this up as well. And I'll I'll say yes and no. I think that if, if, if the idea is that it's a full-on Flashpoint storyline, I don't think we'll ever fully see that in the series. For example, I don't think that we're going to see Aquaman and Wonder Woman in a World War type of clash going on in the background. However, I do think that we will see in the very near future this iteration of Flashpoint, uh, this, this CW television series iteration. I do think something like a Robert Queen coming in and being the arrow would be a really great nod to Flashpoint if they did that. Now, obviously, this is kind of a concept that we've pitched out there a couple of times, but it's nothing that we have any kind of confirmation on. But, you know, I, I get the idea that perhaps it's too early for them to do something this big, but look at everything they've done thus far. I mean, out of the gate, we've almost got a full rogues gallery established. We've had hints towards this. Just time travel in general is a big thing to throw into the mix. So I wouldn't be surprised for them to go for something so big so early. Yeah, but there needs to be something. So you're right. They're not going to have Wonder Woman and Aquaman and all that kind of stuff, the big fighting going on. But there needs to be something like a big drastic change like that to kind of to, to really give it that that uh, Flashpoint feel. But I don't know what that would be in this universe. I think. I mean, I, I honestly think if he goes back to the future or if he, you know, after let, let's say at the end of this ser- or at the end of the season, uh, he goes back and he saves his mom and returns to the current timeline um, let's even say, oh, let's even say we go with the concept where he returns to the timeline. He does not have access to the speed force, which means that he has to figure out a way to get the accelerator to work. He finds Vibe, who is full on Vibe. It's not Cisco, but it is Vibe, um, well, which doesn't make sense with the. I don't know, man. I, I I think that there's a possibility to do a lot of uh, flip side things. So, for example, have Cisco be Vibe. Have um, have uh, Caitlin actually be Killer Frost and a villain? Like there are th- these things that are actually based in the comics, but different from the television show that they could put in, so that even though they're familiar to us as comic book fans, would feel very different from what's come before in the show. I can see it now. Barry goes back to the future, and uh, <laughs> the first person he comes across is uh, a Citizen Cold. And so, of course, he's right. thinking Captain oh, Cold yeah. and like grabs him. And he's like, what are you doing? This guy just saved us all. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's I mean, I didn't even think about that. But you're exactly right. Citizen Cold, the Captain Cold of the Flashpoint timeline, was a hero. Yeah. So it would be great to actually see that. Oh, man, I, I love that idea. Love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I think, yeah, I think that would be cool just in and of itself, just those those small changes there. Maybe you don't even have to have a big, giant, overarching, crazy time screw up thing to, to make it feel like Flashpoint. Even just changing those things that we just mentioned. Yeah, that, that would I think that would bring it home. Yeah, I like it. Next one comes in from H.C. Shin, who says, How is it possible that two Barrys were there several years ago when his mother was killed? In episode 17, Barry did not visit the past, but he actually became himself living in the past. Any comments? And I think we've actually kind of already touched on this one, but from our speculation and from what we've been able to see thus far, when Barry travels to a time where he, his other self in that timeline has the speed force, speed force, 
they merge together because the timeline is fixing itself. It's healing itself from what's being done. But when Barry will ultimately travel to a time where he does not have the speed force, then he'll be able to kind of exist separately. There won't be this connective tissue between the two of them for them to be able to heal. Yeah, because it's kind of like where uh, the speed force binds all instances of the Flash together. Yeah, it but penetrates since- us, binds us together. It's a living, uh, I can't remember the quote. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know, it, it binds all the Flashes together, but young Barry was not a part of the speed force so he can't be removed from that existence because he's not in the speed force so right you'll never see two berries side by side unless we have or you'll never see two flashes side by side unless we have wally and barry uh or you know whoever else but um when you go back in time and you're not a part of the speed force your non-speed force self won't overwrite your speed force self well even or rather then- your speed force self won't overwrite your non-speed force self you mentioned Wally, you know, even then, you know, the, the concept that I believe was introduced in Rebirth is that Barry ultimately generates the speed force that all other speedsters pull from. So I wonder if in this iteration, if they've kind of followed through with that that concept, if Wally would even have the ability to travel through time. You know uh, what I mean? Like, would is, is the reason hmm, is, is the reason that Barry is able to exist fully out of time is because he is the source of the speed force. Maybe, maybe not. That's uh, that might be well because I mean Harrison Wells can exist outside of time. Yeah, but again, he's the he's the antithesis, right? He's he's his equal, his opposite, the result of a system trying to balance itself out. So theoretically, Eobard Thawne is to the reverse Speed Force what Barry Allen is to the Speed Force. Did you did you just call H. Eobard pretty much? Did you just call him the, the one a- Neo? No, I called him Agent Smith. That's what I called him. Well, but no, Agent Smith says that about Neo. No, the Oracle says that about Agent Smith. What is he? He is you, your opposite, your negative, the result of the equation trying to balance itself out. Boom! Drop the mic. I just oh. owned you, man. <laughs> is, that, is that right? Yeah, man. Just drop some matrix on you. Well, but but the, the architect says that about Neo. He says practically the same thing. Well, granted, but that's what I'm saying. They're equals. But dude, this is not the matrix podcast, man. We're not. <laughs> Stop that. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> So our last bit of feedback comes from iTunes. It's uh, from user Strikeburst, uh, and they write, Flashtastic, great podcast. The hosts are knowledgeable and love The Flash. Easy to listen to. Try it, and you'll love it too. Well, thanks, Star- Strikeburst. We, like- we appreciate that. Yeah, we love you guys' feedback and just kind of all the support that y'all been sending our way. You know, engaging with us on on Twitter is a, is a great thing as well. We mentioned already the Rogues Rumble is going down, so make sure that you're following us on Twitter and uh, and voting for your favorite. That'll be going down every single weekday. We have three rounds of voting, and you're going to want to get yours in. That's how we do things here. <laughs> hey, remember to check out the Brogues. You know, we mentioned before, too, that uh, we've had this caption contest going on with the Brogues. If you head over to thebrogues.com, um, the last chance to get in your captions for the three sketches that we have is now. This weekend, we will actually be deciding a winner for that. The winner of our caption contest for the Brogues is actually getting drawn into an issue. Uh, so you could be immortalized in webcomic form. We'd love that for you if you're able to. Uh, yeah, so again, thebrogues.com for that. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Flash TV Talk. And if 140 characters isn't enough to express your love for our show, feel free to email us at flash at potestery.com. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y.com. And for the latest news and daily discussions on all things Flash, be sure to like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Flash TV Talk. Also, check out our parent show panel to screen where this week we talk about there's a lot of stuff. We got Lex Luthor. Dude, yeah, that new Lex Luthor image is crazy. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, and and there's some speculation about Jared Leto's uh, uh, Joker voice. Absolutely, man. So all that can be found. Uh, be sure to tune in for panel to screen. You can find that on iTunes and wherever podcasts are found. You can also tune in live. We do this show live every single Wednesday night after The Flash is live. So you can find us at Mixler.com slash Pottery. Uh, you can also tune in on Thursday nights for a live panel to screen. And even after panel to screen, we have Backstage, where me and Bell talk about what it's like to make a webcomic in several podcasts and actually you know what we talk about just all kinds of stuff it's just us hanging out so if you're interested in that at all you can tune in live for that at mixler.com slash on thursday nights I want to give a special shout out to charlie bach who is also in the chat right now he provides our outro music that rock and flash theme charlie uh, you shred man yeah that dude can shred so be sure to give him a shout out and follow him on soundcloud for all of his awesome rock and tunes charlie actually going to be lending his music in the very near future to our brogues 
uh, YouTube channel as well. If you've ever wanted to just kind of watch Bell work, I know I love it whenever I get the opportunity to. You'll be able to watch him work and also listen to Charlie's tunes as well. So big ups to Charlie. Stick around after the outro music for spoilers on next week's episode, but if you don't want to be spoiled, don't worry. We'll be back in a flash. Tricksters, a copycat killer who goes by the name The Trickster, starts setting off bombs in Central City. In order to stop the villain, Barry and Joe meet with the original Trickster, a, chem- a criminal mastermind named James Jesse, who has been in prison for 20 years. Things quickly go from bad to worse when the Tricksters unite and take Henry prisoner. Meanwhile, Iris asks Eddie for help with a case, and flashbacks show how H. Geobard came up with the idea for the particle accelerator. Well, there you go. So we're getting a little bit of, uh, you know, the past uh, in, in, in what's going on with H.G. Abar, I'm excited for that. You know, honestly, there's not a whole lot that we can say that isn't actually said in this interview that we have with John Wesley Shipp. He goes into great detail about the upcoming episode. Um, he talks specifically about Mark Hamill and his portrayal of the trickster, how that may be similar, and also how it may be more nuanced than what's come before. Um, I got to tell you, just from that conversation, I'm extremely hyped. And honestly, man... The fact that we have Mark Hamill returning to this franchise is, is huge right now, right? Super huge, super huge. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have guessed that in a million years that he would come back and reprise a role that he did 25 years ago. Plus, I mean, you got to think right now with the hype that's going on because of Star Wars, The Force, the Force Awakens, um, and, and that all eyes are on Star Wars, all eyes are on Mark Hamill, man, that means that all eyes are about to be on The Flash. Absolutely. Uh, did you see uh, uh, The Kingsman? I've not, no. Mark Hamill's in Kingsman as well. Is he really? Yeah, and it's and I, I love his part in it. It's, it's really cool. Uh, but yeah, so like, you know, he's doing all this stuff. And so he's got the Kingsman movie, episode seven. Yeah, and now Flash. And you're right. It, like That's going to just draw a bunch of eyes to the show. And I'm super excited because, you know, the more exposure that this show gets, the better. Because it's just going to mean, you know, more money for it and uh, just, you know, a, a better show overall. Well, one thing that we did get out of a confirmation from our talk with John Wesley Shipp is that this is the last time that we'll see Henry Allen until the season finale. Um, So that's pretty interesting. There's going to be a lot of Easter eggs throughout the episode, too. I mean, you'll see very similar costumes for what the trickster was from the original series. Uh, You'll also see a lot of nods to just their relationship. I'm just looking forward to it, man. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, any episode with John Wesley Ship and Henry Allen are excellent episodes. So this one is just no doubt going to be amazing. Look, if you guys are, are, are interested in more spoilers about this episode or more, you know, chat and uh, interesting facts and trivia and things like that, listen to the John Wesley Ship interview. It's wonderful. And you guys are really going to enjoy it. Absolutely. That pretty much brings us to an end this week. So for more Flashtastic awesomeness, tune in next time to Flash TV Talk. Flashtastic outro, copyright Matt SC. A member of the Pottery Network. For more information on this and other shows, please visit pottery.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.